The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I'd like to share with you a story that's brought down in the Yosef Das. He talks about a young fellow that was drafted into the Russian army. Now being in the Russian army is a really bad sentence. It goes on for years and who knows what happens to you at the end of that. And you can imagine the pain of a father that was about to be separated from his son for so many years and into the Russian army. He didn't know what to do. He was beside himself. He spoke it over to all of his friends until one of them gave him a great idea. They said, you know what you need to do? You need to pretend to be in a wheelchair. Pretend that you cannot manage without your son. Maybe that would help you. Genius, he said. That's exactly what he's going to do. He spoke it over to his son. His son agreed. And they started rehearsing the lines, what they would do if they were asked this, if they were asked that. They got themselves a wheelchair. The day arrived that the boy had to report to the Russian army headquarters. And the soldier that was in charge of registering everyone into the army, as he walked in, this boy, he said, why are you coming with your father? So the boy was waiting for this question and he said, well, very simple. Look at my father. He's in a wheelchair. He cannot move. He cannot even manage without me for a few moments. I had to bring him with me. And at that point, the father looks up in a very low and soft voice, says, you have to understand, without my son, I'd be lying in bed for hours and weeks and months like a stone. I wouldn't be able to get out of bed. And when they saw this, they were so impressed. Wow, what dedication that a son has to his father. That's it. You are exempt from the army. You don't have to go. You can imagine the simcha that they felt at that moment. He's free. He doesn't have to go. The father got so involved in the moment that he jumped out of his wheelchair and he started to do a little dance. Now, when the officials saw that, they said, oh, obviously you've been telling a few lies. That's it, son, to the army. And the truth is, at the end of the day, we've just had a Yom Kippur. We've had a Yom Kippur where we stood in shul and we rededicated our service to the Rabbi Nishlan and we said, Rabbi Nishlan, we are yours. We are your arm. We are together with you. And how do we do after that? What happens after Yom Kippur in a few days following? How do we cement it and how do we show that we're actually real? And what we said in shul, we're actually going to keep. And the answer is sukkahs. Sitting in the sukkah is one of the most incredible mitzvahs. The Zoya Kodesh brings down that the sukkah is the house of Emuna. Why is it the house of Emuna? Because the Gemara says that you're meant to go out of the comfort, of the security of your own home and enter the flimsy sukkah. By us demonstrating that we trust in Hashem so much to leave our homes and to sit, to sleep, to eat in a little hut, then we're showing the Rabbi Nishalim our dedication towards him wasn't just in the shul on Yom Kippur, but it continues in our whole lifetime. We should be zaychat to have a beautiful yontav, as the Rambam tells us. It's the yontav of simcha. Why? Because real simcha is trust in Hashem. Have a beautiful yontav. Thank you, Rabbi Wiesenfeld, for your tremendous words, as always. Our next speaker is Rabbi Chiyo Spiro. As we know, Rabbi Spiro is the author of the popular Touched by a Story series put up by Art Scroll. They've sold thousands upon thousands of copies on all tremendous topics. 
and it is our great honor to call upon Rabbi Chiel Spira to inspire us tonight. When we sit in the sukkah, we are sitting in the shade of the Shekhinah. We are sitting with Hashem spreading His loving arms around us to remind us of the Anane covered the clouds of glory that protected the Jewish people from every angle so that no danger or hurt would befall them. Yes, as long as we're together with Hashem, then we're happy. And that's what Sukkot is all about. Appreciate what you have, appreciate what Hashem gives you, even if it's not all that much, or so you would think. Because as long as you have Him, you're good to go. And sometimes, to be honest with you, we're a little bit spoiled. And Sukkot is the time when you take a step back and you say, you know what, maybe I don't need all of that. Maybe the simple joys of life is really what brings me happiness. A few years ago, I built a sukkah with my class. And almost every year I invite my class to help me. I'm not the world's greatest builder. And they help me take out the boards. And they help me take out the schach. And everyone's helping. But I had one young man in my class who had a disability. He had very, very, very short arms. And building a sukkah was not his thing. Couldn't hold a hammer. Couldn't even hold a nail. He couldn't schlep big sukkah boards. But he came over to me and he said, Rebbe, I'd like to help. And I looked at him and I said, You know what? That's right, you should help. No excuses for you. I went up into my shed and I got a beam. It was about three feet long. And I took it and I placed it into his arms. He couldn't hold anything more. And I was marveling at the courage of this young man. And then he said to me, Rebbe, I want you to know, this is the first time I built a sukkah in my entire life. You had to see the smile on his face from ear to ear. I couldn't wipe it off. He was so proud. And I see all the other boys lifting big, heavy boards, taking it all for granted. Sukkot is a time when we can't take life for granted. There's too much complication and worry, too much that burdens us, that weighs us down. Appreciate the simple joys of life. Sitting with a family outside with nothing more than some flimsy walls and a little bit of evergreen on top of us. But realize that if we're in the shade of Hashem, everything's going to be just fine. Have a great night. Hey, Spiro, amazing, amazing words as always. Our next week is by Yaakov Moskos. I just want to remind everyone to continue watching right now and, and telling your friends and family also to hop on board and, and to be inspired tonight. They can watch right now at torrentytime.com slash live. Share the link right now at torrentytime.com slash live or, or they could call in on the phone 718-298-2077.
extension 46, 718-298-2077-46. Rabbi Yaakov Moskowitz, as we know, is the director of adult education and a rabbi at Yeshiva's Torah Chaim, Torah Emes in North Miami Beach. I was like, great guys, call upon, call upon our dear friend, Rabbi Yaakov Moskowitz. A friend of mine, Rabbi Eliman, shared with me such a beautiful story about a family that was putting up their sukkah, was there of sukkahs, and they put up all the decorations and the father said, wait, I have one more that I want to add. And he went to his room and he opened up a box that was under his bed. And in that box, there were loads and loads of pink pieces of paper. And he took a string and he put the string through all those pieces of paper and he made this paper chain and he went out with his children and put it up in the sukkah as the final decoration. And the kids asked, they said, Abba, what, what are those pieces of paper? What is this? He said, let me explain. So when I first came over to America, I was looking around for a job. And when I finally got something, I was there at work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the entire week. But then I knew that the employers wanted everybody to come in on Shabbos. And I had this dilemma on Friday afternoon. What am I going to do tomorrow? Am I going to come in on Shabbos or not? On the one hand, Shabbos is such an incredible mitzvah that I have to do. But on the other hand, my parnasa, I'm going to lose my job. How am I going to put food on the table? And it was a tremendous challenge. But I decided that I'm going to keep the Shabbos. And I stayed home. I went to shul on Shabbos. We had beautiful Shabbos meals and we sang beautiful zmiros together. And when I came in on Monday, the boss came over to me so angry. He said, how come you weren't here on Saturday? And I was humming and hawing. I wasn't sure what to say. And he said, I'm skeptical that you are keeping the Shabbos. We don't allow that over here. But I'm going to give you one more week to find out. But if you're not here next Saturday, that's it. You're fired. Well, another week went by and I was there every day diligently at work, Monday, Tuesday, etc. It came Friday afternoon, I had that same dilemma. What am I going to do? I'm going to lose my parnas, I'm going to be fired. But again, I decided to keep the Shabbos. And we had a beautiful Shabbos. And then when I came back to work on Monday, the boss came over to me fuming. And without saying a word, he handed me a piece of paper, a pink slip that said on it in big letters, you're fired. I was devastated. What am I gonna do? And I was looking in the newspapers, looking all around, asking around for another job, and finally I found something. And I was there again, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, etc. But came Friday, I had the same dilemma. But once again, I decided that I'm gonna keep the Shabbos. Stayed home, we had a beautiful Shabbos together, and came Monday, I came back to work, and the boss comes over to me with a pink slip, hands it to me angrily, and says on it, you're fired. And every time this happened, I took that pink slip home with me and I put it into a box and I saved it underneath my bed. And this would go on week after week after week as I would try to find a new job, find something. But then I would stay home for Shabbos and then I would get fired again on Monday. And he said, and now, after I collected all of these pink slips, I'm taking a look and I'm reminded reminded of the tremendous challenge that I was faced during that time. Am I going to keep Shabbos or am I going to go into work? But I decided to build, to work on my emuna, to grow in my recognition of the fact that my parnasa is coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and only from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that Hashem is the one and the only one who is taking care of me and my family.
And I worked during that time on recognizing that, on building my Amuna, that all that I have is solely coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu because He is the one who's looking out for me and He is the one who's protecting me. And it was that growth in Amuna that gave me the strength and the fortitude to give up those jobs to be able to keep the Shabbos. And that's why I'm taking them out now, putting them up in our sukkah as the ultimate decoration to remind us of that emuna that we felt then, which is going to help us as we continue on to grow in dealing with life's challenges. You know, the Gemara tells us that there's a machlokes between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Akiva as to why we sit in the sukkah. Rabbi Eliezer says it's to remind us of the Anani HaKavod, of the clouds of glory that protected us in the desert. And Rabbi Akiva says, no, it's to remind us of the actual sukkahs, the actual huts that Hashem provided for us while we were in the desert. And Rabbi Isaac Sher points out something unbelievable. He says, you know, at first glance, it seems that Rabbi Eliezer's opinion, the opinion that it reminds us of the Anani HaKavod, would be more inspiring. This open miracle, these clouds that are covering us, allowing for climate control, protecting us from the elements. Unbelievable. He says, but if you look at Rabbi Akiva's opinion deeply, you're going to understand that there's something incredibly inspiring there too. You see, the Anani HaKavod, while they were an incredible miracle, that was an open miracle that was done for all of Klal Yisrael at the same time. No matter who you were in Klal Yisrael, you benefited from this miracle of the Anani HaKavod, of these clouds. However, Rabbi Akiva's opinion that it was the individual sukkahs, that was a miracle that Hashem provided us with the materials in the desert where there were no materials to build a sukkah. And Hashem provided each and every single individual and their families with the materials that they need to be able to build a sukkah. Everyone had their own to teach us this important lesson that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is providing for us, not only because we're Klal Yisrael, not only for all of us, the Jewish people at once, but Hashem is providing for each and every single individual so that we recognize that all of my needs and all that I have is coming solely from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This Sukkot, as we're sitting in the Sukkot and we're looking at the walls and we're looking up at the Schach, let us remember this important message of Rabbi Akiva, that all of my needs that I have in life are being provided to me specifically by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem is looking out for me and He's looking out for you and He's looking out for you. He's looking out for every individual and their needs. My health, my parnasa, my car, my home, my family, Every single thing is being given to me and is being provided special for me and for my family by HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. And let's never forget the individual in the story who grew so much in his emuna, in his recognition that all is coming from Hashem. And this sukkah, let's think about that and let us grow in our emuna so that we too, just like him, can face life's challenges and understand full well that all that we have and all of our needs is provided to us by the Rabboni Shalom. Have a beautiful yontif. Thank you, Rabbi Moskos, for your amazing words. Our next speaker is Rabbi Yaakov Rachimi. As you know, Rabbi Rachimi inspires so many thousands of people through Chazak, through Torah Time, through many other organizations. As we know, um, that, 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 that this amazing program is, is being done 
because of your amazing feedback and because people are watching in. So continue uh, watching. If you have any feedback, you want to suggest certain speakers, you want to, if you want to give us any recommendations, you want to give us a good comment to give us the inspiration to keep on going forward, email us right now at eventsachazak.org, E-V-E-N-T-S at C-H-A-Z-A-Q.org. It's a great, great honor to call upon our next speaker, Rabbi Yaakov Rahimi. For stories to inspire, thank you, Chazak Torintum Kolter Akula, for doing this Sukkot event. I want to share a quick story about the Yontav of Sukkot that gave me tremendous chizuk to take something upon myself. Rechaim Ziyad said over a beautiful story. In one of his seminars, a single girl comes over to him, and unfortunately, she couldn't find her shiduch. She couldn't find her beshert, her soulmate, unfortunately, yet an older single girl. So Rabbi Chaim Ziyad started talking to her more and more about is there any fights in the family? Are you fighting with other people? Maybe somebody is makpitan, you upset you, you said the wrong word, or you know, you threw a wrong sentence at the wrong time. They were talking and talking for a while. She couldn't think of anything. She's like, I don't think I offended anybody. You know, I try to be the nicest person I could. This girl, says Rabbi Chaim Ziyad, goes back home. She discusses with her parents what the rabbi, Rabbi Chaim Ziyad, told her. And they say, you know what? I think I know what the rabbi was talking about. He's talking about our neighbors. What happened was, Rabbi says Rabbi Chaim Ziyat, this family with a single girl, got into a fight. They got into a fight with their neighbors. This is in Yerushalayim, in Harnof. They got into a fight with their neighbors. The fight got so badly, these two neighbors share their porch together. Not literally one big porch, but in Israel, the porches are right next to each other because it's on a hill in Harnof. So although the apartments can be in two separate buildings, but their porches are actually right next to each other because it's on a hill. So these two neighbors that were fighting with the single girl's parents and their neighbor got into a fight. The fight and the argument got so bad that when it came to the Yontov of Sukkot for many years, they had to remove the sukkah further to the other side of the fence, the other side of the porch, so they shouldn't be right next to each other. That's how bad the fight got. So they told us Rabbi Chaim Ziyat what the argument was about, and the rabbi told them like this, take upon yourself to be mochel, and not only to forgive and to ask for forgiveness, but actually take action about it. Go out of your way, be roidif shalom, go out of your way for peace, and do something to make peace between you and your neighbor. And that's what they did, even though it's extremely hard, extremely hard. The parents went and asked for mechila, asked for forgiveness from the neighbors for the argument they got into, and they were mochel each other, both asked for forgiveness, and they said, Bezat Hashem, we should live in peace. That sukkot, what happened was, Part of their way to show peace, they brought the two Sukkot of the porches back together, not to be unified anymore. So they both put their Sukkot next to each other where it's supposed to be on the porches. Listen to what happens. Comes Sukkot and one of the meals. And one of the families, I guess you could call it, what is it called? The eavesdropping, whatever it is. One of the families heard the other family's conversation in the other sukkah. And they're saying how their son is not coming back from yeshiva and he needs a shiduch. He has to find the right girl, this type and that type. And the mother of the single girl on the other sukkah, on the other porch, heard the conversation. conversation. She says, you know what? Even though it's a little difficult, but we just made shalom. Maybe we can make a shiduch between our daughter and your son. So she sent a few people to try to make the shiduch to two neighbors that happens to be Rabotai. Hashem runs the world. They went out. Not only did they go out, they dated for a while. They liked each other and got married too. Says Chaim Ziyat. What a beautiful story. When you forgive one another, when you take away fights, take away arguments, be in peace with one another and take action. Go forward with it too. Baruch Hashem, b'schut that. Their kids got married. This single girl that went over to the rabbi in the seminar got married to who? 
her neighbor that they were just in a fight with a couple of months back. Thank you so much for listening. Try your best to forgive one another. If you're listening to this message to this video, please take it to heart. Pick up the phone and try to think of one person or maybe more that you can finally forgive or ask forgiveness for. Take action. Do a maaseh. Be a rodef shalom. Make peace in the world. You be that person that goes out of your box to ask for forgiveness and be mochel other people. Thank you so much for listening. Chag kasher v'samech. Thank you, Rabbi Rechimi, for your amazing words. Our next speaker is Rabbi Sinai Yakobian. Rabbi Yakobian lives in Ramat Beit Shemesh. He's a beloved Rabbi at, at, at the Lev Aaron Yeshiva, as well as teaches throughout in different seminaries and yeshivas in Israel. And it's our great honor to call upon Rabbi Yakobian. As we are connecting ourselves to the Kedusha of Chag Sukkot, I would like to share with you an unbelievable story. That happened in New York City. None, a couple of years ago, a very dedicated Jew who had just moved into an apartment building that has approximately 30 floors, living on the 25th floor. He has to now build a sukkah for support, and he's very excited to build a sukkah. But where is he going to build a sukkah? There's nowhere where on his floor. There's nowhere he can build it. And he's thinking, what should I do? What should I do? He decides for sukkot. Doesn't make a difference. I'm going to have to walk up. I'm going to build it. And he goes downstairs, bottom floor, first floor, builds the sukkah. Two days before sukkot comes in, he, the emet, finishes the beautiful sukkah and he's getting ready to get the whole, all the kedushah of sukkot. And right then, hour later, cops come and say, sorry, sir, uh, you're going to have to take this down. This is, uh, not, not, this is not allowed. This is public property. You're going to have to take this down. Otherwise, you're going to get a fine. He's please, please, it's only for seven days. Would you please? No, sorry, sir. Nothing to talk about. He has no choice but to take down the sukkah. Goes back upstairs to his house and he's thinking, what should I do? And he knows that one second. Five floors above me is the top floor. Maybe the person on the top floor will allow me to use his rooftop to build the sukkah for one week. Goes to the 30th floor. Hemet knocks on the guy's door. This big guy comes, opens the door, clearly a very successful businessman. And he says, hi, my name is Mr. Sammy. I live on the 25th floor and I'm Jewish. And we have a up and coming holiday that we build like a small hut that we stay in. And it has to be under, under airspace, under the sun. Is it possible that I could just use your rooftop to go ahead and to build it for uh, a week, the man looks at him and says, Sir, I understand you want to keep your Jewish holiday, but I don't know anything about these things. I'm a businessman. You want to rent my rooftop? No problem. I'm happy to rent it out to you. But you got to pay. So he's thinking, okay, how much is it going to cost me? How much is it going to cost you? $1,000. $1,000 for a small amount just for the rooftop? Sir, I'm a businessman. You want it? Good. You know what? I don't have no time. He's thinking, right? The cost of Yom Tov is on a Kadosh Baruch Hu. He says, no problem. Let's sign. He says, no, 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 no. There's no let's sign. I'm getting my lawyer. We're writing a contract. We're doing this official and legal. He says, you're getting a lawyer? Yes, sir. This is how I work. And you're going to have to pay your half of the lawyer fee. How much is that? Two fifty. Oh my goodness. 
they can win the world, but whatever it is, he says, fine, no problem. That evening, the lawyer comes. They write, has everything written, official contract, everything is legal, signs on the dotted line. And then the next morning, he comes to build the sukkah, goes on the rooftop, and he cannot believe what he sees. He sees boards, bags, items all left over there. Oh, my goodness. He didn't tell me about this. He starts moving away all the boards. He starts moving everything away. And as he's moving away one of the bags, he finds in one of the bags beautiful diamonds. Beautiful diamonds. And it's clear that it didn't belong to the to the person owning this area because it was from the workers. It's clear it's belonging to it's from the workers. And he realizes this is a lost item. He calls the police. He notifies the police. And the police say, yes, we actually have someone that called that they had lost such a thing. And please bring it down to the station. We'll take care of it. Okay, he brings it down to the station. Sukkot, he's enjoying his rooftop. You know, if I paid for it, I might as well enjoy it. He's having a great time. And two days after Sukkot, the Zobay gets a call from the police. Sir, we need you to come down to the station. Comes down to the station. Sir, uh, we checked into the files. The man that claimed the report that he had lost it had actually passed away three months ago. And he was a lone worker. No family members around. The, all the diamonds are yours. Like, what are you guys talking about? Yes, sir. This is yours. You can take it. Have a nice day. And right then he realizes that HaKadosh Baruch Hu paid him back. For what he did, paying that money for the Sukkot, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is paying him back. But the story didn't end there. A couple of days later, the owner of the rooftop calls him up. And he gets a letter from the lawyer. You found a bag of diamonds. That bag belongs to me. What are you talking about? This, that. Lawyer, they go to court. And the guy claims, excuse me, that place is mine. You have no permission to take that. That belongs to me. He goes, let me have no permission. I rented the place from you. I even have legal documents. The court says, let's see the documents. And he pulls out the documents. After looking over the whole case, the judge says that, sorry, Sammy is right. And he, the verdict was in favor of Sammy, and all the diamonds went to Sammy as a reward for keeping Sukkot properly. As we know, Sukkot has a lot of costs. There's taking care of the family. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I have diamonds waiting for every one of us. All we bemet need to know is that Hashem is with us, and Harbesh Luchim Lamakom has many, many ways to pay us back. And we all we want is Bemet, the Samachta Bachagecha, to enjoy our holiday, the Simcha, over Tub Levav. Have a Chag Samach, is good, the Shanim Rabot, the Emotu. Thank you, Rabbi Yakobi, for your amazing words. Our next speaker is our dear friend, Rabbi Avi Slansky, who's a Rebbe at Merkaza Torah, as well as gives an amazing daily daf Yomi Shir, which is which is really listened by a lot of people and really inspiring and keeping people on the track of 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 Kovayet and Torah. People are learning daily because of the rabbi, and he has amazing thousands upon thousands of shir on Anytime dot com. Check it out right now, and it's a great honor to call upon Rabbi Avi Slansky. Once again, we thank Stories to Inspire for all these incredible events before all the Amtaivim, reaching out to inspire the masses, and what better way with beautiful stories. So Shlomo went to sleep one night, and he felt like he was in the midst of a bad comedy show. The only problem was it was his real life. He's sleeping in Minnesota, and at 2 in the morning, he hears a baby crying. 
And then he hears the woman yell down to her husband, Shimon, come up! It's your turn to take the baby! And Shimon, down from the sukkah, yells back to his wife, but I'm in the sukkah! His wife knows better than that and says, but Shimon, we learned in seminary, Teshvu came to Turu, just like in the house, you have to do in the sukkah, and if you were up here in the house, you take the baby, it's your turn, come up. And Shlomo's lying there in the sukkah saying, Hashem, please, Shalom bin Ramav, just make some peace, let me get back to sleep. And finally, he dozes back to bed. A short while later, later on in the night, he hears not one baby screaming, but two babies screaming, screeching on top of their lungs. And this time, it wasn't a debate between the husband and wife, because there were two children, twins, he knew the neighbor, and he hears the husband say, I get the boy. And the wife says, no, no, I got him. His sister, the twin, she's more soiled, you get him. And there's a fight that breaks out. And between the husband and wife screaming, I get this one, I get this child. And he says, Oi, Shufu, please, Hashem, give some peace to me. Now not only there are two babies screaming, the husband and wife are screaming. And he finally dozes to sleep. A different night, as he's trying to sleep in his sukkah, he hears his neighboring sukkah, an elderly tzaddik. As he goes to sleep, he hears a play on one of those old-fashioned tape recorders. And he hears a musr shmuz screaming, because the tzaddik was hard of hearing, Shubu banim shayvavim! And Shlomo starts thinking, I'm in my sukkah, I'm trying to sleep, it's the middle of the night. And he yells out, I already did shuva! Sadik doesn't hear him, and this Musr Shmuz is screaming away. And finally, he hears a little old lady come down and says, Yangala, Yangala, what are you doing? And he says, I need some Musr, I need some Musr. She says, if you need some Musr, come upstairs, you're waking everyone up. And Shlomo rolls over once again. And then a different night, he finally has a nice night's sleep. And early in the morning, it's five o'clock in the morning, right as those first rays come up. And he hears his neighbor opening the door and shuffling around. And it sounds like he's carrying luggage and boxes and bags. And he realizes, ah, he has multiple lulavim and esrugim and sidurim. And he's going to davenates and he's bringing it all with him. And he's carrying it and he's fumbling. And all of a sudden he hears, wait. And he screams up, David, David! And his neighbor is trying to wake up his kid, and he's screaming, David, David! And finally the kid wakes up, comes to his window and says, Ta, what do you want? It's five in the morning. And the father screams up, I forgot the lulav! He says, oh, Ta, you have all your lulavim. He says, no, no, I forgot the good one. I forgot the good one. And David says, okay, where is it? And his father says, go, it's in the corner, and he starts describing it to him. And the son says, which corner, which one? And the father screams, out, oh, you idiot! We don't know anything. You can't even find a simple lulav. And Shlomo's lying there in his sukkah saying, Hashem, just make this kid smart. And finally, he dozes over until the alarm rings and he has to get up. And as comical as this seems, and it seems like it's a script from some uh, perhaps stand-up comedy, Harava Goyin Rav Shlema Bravda was the one to tell over this story. And he would conclude that after all these events, each night, a different person waking me up, and a different child screaming, and a different tzaddik, and a different this, yet we still go to the sukkah, and we still do it. Why? Rav Shlema Bravda asked. And he explained, because we just went through Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and we're so pure, and we're so connected to God. And now 
now we're willing to endure. We're willing to be in a sukkah, which sometimes is hot and sometimes is cold. And it's buggy and there's your neighbor screaming and you can't dwell so well. Yet, says Rishlema Bravda, only at this time of year, the time of the year that we feel so connected, are we willing to do so much for Hashem. And when I heard this story, it gave me the inspiration and gave me the chizik and the encouragement that often throughout chizik there are difficulties. It could be freezing, it could be hot, it could be buggy, it could be screaming. And when we hear such an incredible person, how Rishlema Bravda himself lamented the difficulties, but yet reminded us that we do it because we're able to do it at this time of year. It could hopefully give us a bit more of a push that when something goes wrong this circus, when there's a baby screaming, when it's hot and when it's cold, when it's raining, whatever happens, we could smile and we'll laugh thinking of the comedy skit of Rishlema Bravda and thereby truly fulfill the wonderful mitzvah of Sukkah. Akad Yamdiv. Thank you, Rabbi Slansky, for your amazing words. Our next speaker is Rabbi Hanan Gordon, all the way from Los Angeles. As we know, Rabbi Gordon is a tremendous speaker, a tremendous leader in Klai Yisrael. As we know, he's, he's spoken for Chazak, Project Inspire, Gateway, so many tremendous organizations, as well as, as, well as uh, he's a tremendous Jewish leader. It's, uh, he's involved in so many amazing projects. It was a great honor to call upon Rabbi Hanan Gordon. First and foremost, folks, I'd like to once again thank my uh, dear friends over at Kol Hatarakula, my friends over at TorahAnytime.com, uh, Chazak, and of course, uh, Stories to Inspire by my uh, uh, dear friend Daniel Agala. Sukkot is the Chag, is the Yontif of Emuna. The yontav, so to speak, of faith, or more specifically, being faithful. So I want to take a little bit of a different uh, approach, because usually when we talk about emuna, we're talking about emuna between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But I think if we turn the equation around, we'll see that it's equally important, and will certainly have a direct bearing on our behavior and the way that we get close to Akadish Baruch So being that we talk about stories, uh, and hopefully stories to inspire, it's a well-known story, which I checked on Snopes, and I did a fact check to make sure that we got the exact facts. It's, it relates to arguably the greatest uh, inventor of all time, Thomas Edison, who is known for inventing many, many things, including the incandescent light bulb, the phonograph, uh, the motion picture camera. So the story is as follows. As a young kid in elementary school, the schoolmaster of the school called Edison adult. Adult is a synonym for a person who's confused, um, who's, uh, you know, someone who's out of touch. As soon as Thomas Edison's mom got wind of this pejorative uh, comment that was said, she was furious, correctly so, and she took him out of school, and she started to homeschool him. She was a school teacher, as it, uh, as it happens. So many, many years later, when the biography, the autobiography, if you will, of Thomas Edison was penned, specifically in the context of uh, his mom, Thomas Edison said, 
she was so sure of me and I felt I had someone to live for, someone I must not disappoint. It's very interesting, the psychology of someone who really believes in you and how we streamline and recalibrate our behavior so as not to disappoint a person who really believes that we can actualize our potential. So many years, uh, several years ago, I had the schuss of being the co-chair of the Aguda Convention. And I had a moment where I was sitting next to Rabbi Zelik Pleskin, uh, who many of you know, a very prolific author uh, and lecturer. And I said, Rabbi Pliskin, in all of the books that you've written, if you look back, what do you think is the most important book that you have ever penned? Without even flinching, he said to me, Hanan, without question, the most important book that I've ever written is my book called Self-Talk. And he went on to explain that the voice that we hear inside, a subliminal dialogue that we are having with ourselves, is the most profound, the most profound impact on the way that we see ourselves and the way that we grow. Why? Because if that voice is very positive, and if that voice is egging you on, and if that voice is a voice of saying you can do it, and then many uh, social research shows that people build up confidence and have the intestinal fortitude to move upwards and onwards, and the reverse is also uh, true. Sukkot, my friends, as I said, is a time of emuna, but it's also an interesting time in as much as because we are outside, because we are away uh, from a lot of the distractions, if you will, of being uh, living inside our house, there's more of a sensitivity uh, to the sort of the voice inside of ourselves. And that voice is something that I think it's vitally important that we harness and we know and we take to heart the following. That the very first thing that a Jew says when a Jew wakes up uh, in the morning is Mordeani. The last two words of Mordeani are Rabbi Imunasecha. I, so to speak, have faith in you. Imagine that I, the creator, the Almighty himself, has faith in you, believes in you, and by virtue of the fact that your soul is restored, you have a vitally important role to play in the universe. So when we think of Sukkot, when we think of faith and imuna, let's not only think of the faith that, we, that all of us have to have in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the notion that we have a Father in Heaven with such a benevolent and selfless love for us, but the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu believes in us, that he believes that we can actualize our potential and become great. So my friends, when you sit in the sukha and you look under the schach, halachically there needs to be a slight gap so that you can notice the kochav and you can notice the stars. Know that the Almighty himself believes in you and knows that you too, just like you look up at the universe, you too can be and are destined to be a star. Chag and Oni Basiris Tavis.
Rabbi Gordon for your amazing words. It's a, it's a great honor to call upon our next speaker for tonight, Rabbi Shmuel Reichman. Rabbi Reichman gives out every week. He's, 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 he's giving amazing articles, short clips, shiurim for Chazak and so many tremendous organizations. It's a great honor to call upon Rabbi Shmuel Reichman. There's an amazing story of a man who wanted to teach his daughter a lesson. So that morning when she woke up, he took her in front of a mirror and said, What do you see? She smiled. She said, ah, I see me. He then took her to the window and said, what do you see now? She said, I see trees and houses and there's people walking and there are cars. She was a little confused. It was, you know, what is her father trying to teach her? But she went to school, came back at night. Later that night, before she was going to go to sleep, the father took her back in front of the mirror and said, what do you see? She said, I see me. She's confused at this point because, like, what's going on? It's the same mirror. I see me. He then took her in front of the window and said, what do you see? And now she was really confused because she said, I see me. She saw a reflection of herself. And the father said, focus carefully. Keep focusing. Tell me what you see. After about a minute or so, she all of a sudden gasped, and she's like, Wait a second, I, I see those trees, and I see the houses, and I see the cars. Wait a second, this isn't a mirror, it's a window. And the father smiled and said, That's life. So often, we're used to looking at the world as if it's a mirror. We just see the surface, and we see a reflection of ourselves. When we learn to look past the surface... When we learn to look past ourselves, our ego, that reflection of ourself, all of a sudden we get opened up into an entire world that lies beyond that surface. We get access to a portal into a different reality. And that's Sukkot. Sukkot has this beautiful time. We sit in the Sukkah, and it's very hard, at least at the surface level, to understand what Sukkot is really about. Well, what, what's the idea of sitting in the Sukkot? Especially because the Schach, which is halakhically the essence, the Iker of the Sukkot is the Schach, it has to be somewhat see-through. You have to be able to see the stars, sunlight has to be able to come in. What's the idea? And the Chazal give this cryptic analogy, this cryptic mushal, and say that the Sukkot teaches you, Sukkot teaches you about beauty, the concept of beauty. What's beauty? Well, we often think of beauty as physical beauty, and that's an aspect of beauty, something parallel, something symmetrical, something where the pieces come together in a beautiful way. But what is that beautiful way? What is beauty? So the Maharal talks about this, or if Dessler talks about this, how beauty is when the physical pieces come together in a way that something greater than the sum of the pieces is able to emanate from it. That's beauty. Now, when we talk about human beauty, the analogy, the, the mushal, the greatest paradigm of human beauty is Adam Harishan. So the way that the Mepharshim talk about Adam Harishan, look at the Midrashim, look at the Gemaras, Adam Harishan was not like you or me. When, you, when we look at each other, we see our faces. You don't see my thoughts, you don't see my inner self, you don't see my neshama, you don't see my consciousness, you see my face. But Adam Harishan is more, more like a light bulb. When you look at a light bulb, you see the light. If you look very closely, all of a sudden you start to see the actual bulb. When you looked at Adam Arishan, you saw Adam Arishan. The body was transparent and it was luminescent. You saw Adam, when you looked really closely, you saw his goof, you saw his body. 
But after he sinned, the world in Adam Arishon fell to the state that we are nowadays. You look at the world, you don't see a spiritual reality, you don't see Hashem in the world. You have to you know, use your intellect to see Hashem. You have to look past the surface to see Hashem. When you look at another human being, through their, their debor, through their maisa, through their speech and action, you get to see what's going on inside themselves. You get to access their inner self, the pnimi. It's also passing the face. Pnim literally means pnim, a face which allows access to that which is pnim, which that which is inside. The word pnim means inside and face because the face reveals what's on the inside. But we don't have access. We have to learn to see past the surface. That's what Sukkot is about. Schach, the, the main aspect of the Sukkot, it's transparent. You get to See something which you can peer through the surface. You can see the night sky. You look closely. You start to see past it. It's like the, that window that you thought was a mirror, but all of a sudden you get to access an entire dimension of reality that's past that surface. That's with everything in life. It's always about sourcing things back to the root. And that's why Rashi says, what was another name for Sarimenu? Because after Adam Arishan, we no longer have that beauty couple people in Jewish history were able to tap into that true beauty. One of them was Sarimena. What was another name for Sarimena? Rashi says Yiska. Why? Because Yiska, same Lashon as Chach. Both share what concept? It's, it's the concept of transparency. Chach means something that you can see through, transparent. Yiska, Sarah's physical beauty. Yes, she was physically beautiful. The Mitzram weren't after her spiritual beauty. The Mitzram thought she was beautiful because she was physically beautiful. But her physical beauty reflected something infinitely deeper. And that's why her name was Yiska, because that's what true beauty is. It's when you're able to use the physical surface to reveal something infinitely more. And that's what Sukkot is about. That's why uh, Sukkot, the, the, the deeper Bali Machshava, talk about Sukkot is the Chag of Amuna. Why, why is it the Chag of Amuna? Because what is Amuna? Amuna is being faithful to that which you can't see, to that which is root, to that which is deeper. You don't get to see Hashem in this world. You get to see the expression. Hashem isn't going to come out and say, I'm here. We have to choose Bechira. You have to choose to see past the surface, to connect to Hashem. Yes, we have a Masori. Yes, we have the Torah. Yes, we have mitzvos. But we live in a time where we don't have open miracles. We don't have Nevuah. We don't live in a time of Pesach and Shavuos. We live in a time of Chanak and Purim, which is where we have hidden miracles. Where the, the miraculous is now nature itself, where we have to learn to witness the miraculous, the natural, the miraculous within the natural. The fact that you're alive, the fact that we're here, the fact that we have purpose, that's a miracle. And that's what Sukkot is about. It's about learning to see within the darkness. It's about learning to see past the surface. Yiskos, chach. True beauty, transparency. And that's what we're here. Right after Yom Kippur, where we're angels, where we're malach, and we don't eat, we don't engage in the physical world, we connect to our transcendent root, the fact that we're a chelik al-kamal, the fact that we are transcendent angelic beings, but then we come back into Sukkot, where we use the physical, because our job is not to escape the physical, to transcend the physical, it's to uplift, transform, and ascend using the physical. We transform the physical, we use the physical, we reflect the infinite within the finite, the spiritual within the physical, the ethereal within the corporeal. That is our job, that is our mission. That's what Sukkot is about. We have to do Kippur, where we're, we're, we're ecstatic. We, 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 we transcend the physical world. No, Sukkot, we then come back down as angelic beings. Now we can use it. Now we can uplift it. It's Simcha Space We engage in the physical world, but as angelic beings, we're angels having a physical experience. We're here to 
use, uplift, and transform this world. That's our mission statement. And Sukkot is where we do it. It's where we talk about the Haras HaShchina, where it's Sukkot Mamash, but also the Anani HaKavod. It represents our connection with Hashem, dwelling with Hashem, living with Hashem, uh, you know, living with that higher level of intellectual and spiritual and emotional consciousness, where, yes, there's a physical world, but we see so much more than the surface. You take that which you learn, you learn Gemara, be in Machshava, be in Musr, Halacha, the realms of science, and you learn how to tra- transform how you see the world now. And then you live with that vision. Right? People see, but you can use the ideas that you have within yourself to transform using that vision to see something so much more than what's on the surface. So this focus, let's really focus on learning how to see Iker, learning how to see the root, learning how to see the spiritual, learning how to see the transcendent within this world. When we sit in the sukkah and we peer up at the schach, we have to learn how to not only see past the surface of the schach, but how to peer past the surface of all aspects of reality and then infuse that depth into all aspects of our experience as we yearn to become our greatest selves and connect every aspect of our lives to HaKadosh Baruch Thank you, Rabbi Reichman. Our final speaker for tonight is Rabbi Uri Lati. Before we, before we call upon the rabbi, we want to remind everyone to continue watching. You can still get, you can still get that inspiration. Tell your friends right now. Share the link, torrentytime.com slash chazaklive, torrentytime.com slash C-H-A-Z-A-Q-L-I-V-E, torrentytime.com slash chazaklive. Or they could call in over the phone if they have access to the internet, 718-298-2077, extension 46, 718-298-2077, extension 46. So great honor to call upon Rabbi Yori Lat, use Shiurim in, in English, Arabic, and some, and, and they really, the Shiurim really go viral. And it's a great honor to call upon Rabbi Yori Lati. Thank you for watching this beautiful event. Brought to you by Stories to Inspire. On Sukkot, we invite Ushpizin to the Sukkah. Ushpizin are guests. We don't really have this in other holidays. On Pesach, we say, whoever wants to eat with us, come and eat. You're welcome to eat. What's so special, what's so significant about the Ushpizin, about the guests on Sukkot? We invite Abraham, Mitzhak, Yaakov, so on and so forth. And that's a symbol to invite whoever needs to come to our Sukkah to invite them over. Again, what's the symbol? One of my favorite stories about Sukkot is about Rabbi Elimelech of Lezhansk and his brother Rabbi Zusha walking, tonight, walking together one night in the Bet Midrash in the shul. Rabbi Elimelech tells his brother, he says, do you smell that beautiful smell? The wonderful smell. It smells like an Eden. Now they knew what an Eden smelled like. Do you smell that beautiful smell? So he says, yeah, I smell it. What's going on? Something here in the shul. So they walk from bench to bench, from chair to chair, from table to the table. And they finally come across to one individual doesn't look like anything special. And they say, Yid, what's your name? He says, my name is Uri, and I come from the town of Strelesk. They say, what is that etrog in your hand? Smells so beautiful, looks so wonderful. He says, this etrog... I'll tell you the truth, it's no special etrog. And I'll tell you the story, I'm really not from here, I'm from Lezhansk. But I came over here because I don't want to go back to my town. 
He said, please tell us the story. He said, every year I gather so much money, me and my wife. Now, we're not, we don't have so much money, but I go and I'm melamed. I go and teach other kids. I teach in other places to make money. My wife also, she cooks in other people's houses so we could gather the money. Half my money, half my salary goes to the expenses of the house. And the other half, I wait for Sukkot to buy a beautiful etrog. The most beautiful etrog in my town. However, this year I'm embarrassed to go back to my town. And I'll tell you why. I go every year to Lemberg. Over there, I purchase a beautiful etrog. The nicest in the town. Everyone makes a beracha on it. Everyone is amazed by how beautiful it is. By its smell. I bring it back to my town. And that's what happens. However, this year I was on the way to Lemberg. And I stopped by an inn. A small hotel. Because I wanted to drink something. I wanted to rest. To lay down maybe a little bit. So I drank. I laid down. I stood up to say Shimon Isra. I stood up to say the Amida. In the middle of my Amida, I hear screams. I hear somebody screaming. It can't be. Oh my God. No, it can't be. So I finished my Amida and I went to see the commotion. Turns out that there was a person over there that was a wagon driver. And this wagon driver, he had only one horse on his horse and buggy. And that was his Parnasa. But he was screaming because his horse just died. And he doesn't know what to do now. His whole Parnasa, his whole livelihood is based on this one horse. What does he do now? So he's screaming, he's screaming, and he's screaming. And everybody's trying to calm him down. Don't worry, it'll be okay. Hashem will give a parnasa and other means. But he wasn't calming down. And I heard, this Rabbi Uri is telling them, and I heard the innkeeper telling this wagon driver, look, I have a horse. He's worth 80 silver coins. Gold coins, whatever they used to use back then. He's worth 80 coins. I'll give him to you for 50 coins. So the wagon driver says, 50 coins? What, I look like a rich man? I don't even have a few pennies in my pocket. Where am I going to get you coins from? So what were you saying? And I looked at the guy and I had so much rahmanut on him. So much compassion. I looked at him, I was about to cry. I only had in my pocket... 50 coins, exactly 50 coins to buy this etrog. I took out the 50 coins. I went to the innkeeper. I said, what's the bottom line? What's the lowest price you're willing to give him the etrog for? He says, the, the bottom line, the lowest price, 45 coins. I gave the 45 coins to the innkeeper. I purchased the horse for the wagon driver. And I left with five silver coins. With five coins. And I'm walking and I'm walking and I finally get to, my, to the town, to Lemberg. I finally get there. I purchase an etrog for five coins. But I'm embarrassed to go back home. Everybody's expecting I'm coming now with a beautiful etrog, beautiful smell. It looks, it looks beautiful, magnificent. But how could I come back to my town? They all ridicule me. So I sent a message to my wife and my wife agreed. She said you could stay over there in the town until Sukkot passes. So you'll spare yourself the shame from the other people. That was the end of the story. That's what Rab Uri was telling Rabbi Elimelech and his brother Rabbi Zusha. So Rabbi Elimelech says, Ah, oh, now I understand why it smells so beautiful. It smells like an Aden. I'll tell you the rest of the story. 
And Reb Uri's sitting there and he says, rest of the story? What rest of the story? He says, do you know what this wagon driver did after you gave him the horse? He looked up at Hashem and he says, Hashem, I love you so much. I love you so much, you take care of me. You made sure that I have a wagon, that I have a horse. I could continue my livelihood, continue my parnasa. You never forgot about me, Hashem. How can I repay you? How can I show you how much I love you, Hashem? The only way I can is to take my whip and snap it in the air a few times. That's the only way. And he takes his whip and he snaps it. He snaps it as a, as a symbol of love to Hashem. Look how much I love you, Hashem. He's, he's going ecstatic. He's going crazy. And he's snapping it in the, in the air. So Rabbi Elimelech Taz Rabbi Uri, he says, this was in between the 10 days of repentance. Aseret Yemei Teshubah. Between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. And you know what happened? In Shamayim, there was a very big gezira. There was a decree on the Jewish people. And the Satan, the prosecutor, he brings a wagon and he pushes it. He's trying to push it straight up to the Bedin, to Hashem, to show Hashem, look at the transgressions, look at the iniquities. The wagon is filled with iniquities. Comes Rabbi Levi Yitzhak of Berdichov, the one that always, the one that always defended the Jewish people. He's pushing another wagon, the wagon of mitzvot. He's pushing the, the wagon of the commandments, of the mitzvot that the Jewish people kept. And as he's bringing it, the Satan is stopping him. And he, did, he needed the push, he needed, he needed the wagon to keep on going. The horse is not pushing the wagon so much. So me... Rabbi Elimelech and my brother Rabbi Zusha, we tried to push the wagon however we couldn't because the Satan was in the way. All of a sudden we hear a loud sound, like a, like a whip, like a snap of a whip. We say, what, what is that sound? And the sound kept on coming and coming and coming. And those sounds were able to push the wagon of Mizvot straight up to the Beddin Shalmala. They looked at the Mizvot and they annulled the decree. There was no more Gezerara'ah. So they said, Rabbi Uri, you see why it's such a beautiful smell? You saved the Jewish people with one mere act. Because you looked at the plight of another Yehudi. You couldn't bear to see his suffering, his crying, his tears. So with that one action, oh, you don't know what you did up in Shemaim. Abotai, that's the story. What's the moral lesson of the story? We come to Sukkot, we're all clean right now. Sukkah Shalomecha, we tell Hashem, put us in your Sukkah Shalomecha, in your Sukkah of love, in your Sukkah of peace. We enter the Sukkah, we're all clean. However, how can we enter if we remember that the other Yehudim, excuse me, the other Yehudim, our fellow Yehudim, our fellow brothers, our fellow Jews, outside the Sukkah, they're in pain and suffering and they have tears because they can't afford a beautiful etrog. They can't afford a sukkah. They can't afford a lulab, arba minim. So what can we do? Invite them to the sukkah. Ushpizim. Invite the guests as a symbol to tell you to tell all the other Yehudim, come in the sukkah. Maybe you don't have, maybe it's hard on you. You fall on hard times. It's very difficult for you. However, we're all in this together. Sukkah shalomecha. I see your pain, your suffering, you see mine also. We're all in this together. And if we all enter in the sukkah together, to finally sit 
in the sukkat arosh leviathan in the in the sukkah la'atid labo in the future where Hashem will put all of us in this great sukkah will rejoice will bask in the glory of Hashem and Hashem will give us only berachot only to thank you the stories to inspire to school Hashem Abot and Haq Thank you Rabbi Lati thank you everyone for joining us tonight enjoyed this story come again bring a friend stories to inspire.org